Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Bedhug podcast. I'm your host GD and joining me once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode, we will be talking all about the F1's pre-season testing. So let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions and dive right into the conversation. Hello Vedant, how have you been? I just can't get over the fact that we finally had 24 hours of cars on track after a long, long, long winter break. Hello Devya, I've been great. Uh, it's, yeah, you're right, you know, it's been a very long, but at the same time, it felt like it went away quickly, the winter break. And although it had, uh, the testing was three days, 24 hours in total, but the windy conditions and the stand, sandstorm on the day, on day one, essentially made it a two and a half day test. So the, t- the cars had a lot of information to get from the testing and we clearly don't know uh, how the pecking order is exactly um while while the testing showed us what the teams have done uh, how they've developed the cars but a lot of questions coming out of the three-day limited test um unlike the usual eight-day test that we have um so i'm gonna throw it to you what what was the biggest uh, talking point for you coming out of this f1 preseason test well firstly you know since the 2020 regulations, the supposed to be 2020 regulations, the new era of Formula One was postponed for 20, to 2022 due to the COVID-19 uh, financial impact. Formula One changed some technical regulations for 2021 and essentially it was a carryover of the car, but they made a few small changes. The floor of the car had to be narrowed, the diffuser had to be shortened and there were some changes on the brake duct uh, on the break on the on rear, rear break ducts. ducts yep. So the teams were primarily focused on that. Even though it seemed like you know the changes wouldn't make a huge uh, difference in performance or like in the packing order, it seems that we were really really wrong about that. Even these small changes have definitely shuffled it up. This might be uh, a great season, uh, an unexpected and exciting season that none of us would have expected. Like you know. None of us would see coming, especially with uh, what has happened with Mercedes and how how strong Red Bull have been looking for the last three days. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Alpine's Martin Bukowski has said that it's not a midfield anymore. It's just a single field. Absolutely. And we are really uh, getting those that vibe from the from the Formula One uh, circus this season. So, what what we're gonna do is. Let's start with the uh, 2020 championship order and run down, like go down every team in that order. All right, let's let's do that. So let's talk about Mercedes first. Um, we I, I haven't seen Mercedes in the last six years be so nervous, be so um, shaken per se. You know, uh, we were all uh, expecting Mercedes to come out of the blocks like usual and you know just blitz testing, but really. Uh, not just unexpected, you know, not just like surprising, but just, I think, I, I don't have a word for it, just like... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, Mercedes did not have the best test and as Will Buxton said, Mercedes are so perfect that even the slightest error seems too huge to us. Yeah, that's that's true, but there weren't just a slight error. There was like a flurry of errors on like both the technical sides, on the drivers, and um, there's so much in there that j- just seems that 
uh, we might see a chunk in the armor in the season for Mercedes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a tricky season for them. So let's ta- let's let's talk about what Mercedes, what problems Mercedes had this uh, in the test, you know. So Valtteri Bottas couldn't complete his running for the uh, morning of day one because he had a massive gearbox issue. His entire day was compromised due uh, due to, due to the fact that Mercedes had had to change that gearbox. He only he only got six laps of running on day one, and the fact being these uh, for testing this season there's only one car so both the drivers are sharing one car so it's it's very very limited and valtteri bottas essentially had only two days of running absolutely and he came out of that and he also said you know uh, the car is snappy and unforgiving which is something we heard about the ferrari last year and even about red bull at times and it seems um uh, mercedes has has come from like a stable rare end that we, that Lewis would talk about last year to like something that he would not want. Um, surprisingly enough, um, Sam Collins on the pre-testing uh, show that that was done after uh, after testing ended today said that you know they had expected Mercedes to encounter problems with the low rig solution that they've been using for the last few years after um, after the regulation changed, uh, and and it did happen and it took me by surprise you know that Mercedes would would still have that problem because we know they are a very very good team um and somehow red bull have found their footing and you know they they, they seem to be fast they seem to have gotten rid of that snappy rare and that they have last year um and it and and he you know rightly pointed out that mercedes can't just switch to a high rate solution even if uh they would have figured you know that these technical regulations would hurt them because um it, it's it's not easy to just you know change the philosophy of the entire car from one year to another, especially since the regulations won't be stable, there's not much to it. Yeah, and su- surprisingly, Mercedes haven't completed their shakedown yet. The fim- they were the, the only days. team who did not do a shakedown before the exactly. testing, and it's and hurt them, I think. So it's a it's a strange strategy they are using, but they have the shakedown on Tuesday, on the two days after testing. So hopefully, they'll get their systems running in time for. Round one. Well, let's talk about a little more more about Mercedes and their uh, issues with the power unit and the gearbox that they had over the season. Not just Mercedes um, themselves, but you know their customer teams, Aston Martin, um, Williams, uh, and the surprisingly the only team that didn't have an issue was McLaren, who are like you know new adopters of the Mercedes PU uh, and the gearbox and everything else. So really surprising there um, with Mercedes coming out of the box and having issues with the uh, with their power unit and the gearbox. Something that we have, uh, you know, something that Mercedes has been the leader leader in for the last six years, and um, especially with all those AMG stickers on on the car this year, you know, kind of surprising <laughs> that they would have issue with that uh, yeah. when they're finally endorsing uh, the very the very part of the team, you know, that that has led them to victories over the last few years. Yeah, it's definitely strange, and but you know, Mercedes did uh, mention a lot during the preseason test that they are encountering issues with the power unit sorry before even before the testing you know in the press releases and in the in the postseason interviews and all that stuff there was a lot of talk about mercedes having issues with the power unit but we sort of brushed that away because 
we we know that mercedes always downplay their their performance chances. coming into the season so it absolutely. was you are absolutely right it was very very strange seeing mercedes suffer so much even before the season starts absolutely and and you know this bringing the question whether um they will be ready in time for bahrain like i'm i'm pretty sure the next two weeks back at brackley you know they'll, they'll be working uh 24 hour shifts to get things right and running for the first race but it still raises questions um whether mercedes took it too lightly or did the development um they did not develop the car enough uh over the course of the last season not just this pu itself because they'll be carrying over that pu into the next years until 25 so we'll see how that pans out but yeah not looking up for mercedes but let's move on to who we think will be leading the field uh when when the lights go out on 28th of march in bahrain in two weeks uh let's talk about red bull mm, great great three days for them um not a lot of niggles sergio perez looked good in that car Max Verstappen was really happy. Uh what do you think about it? Yeah, definitely Red Bull have been the most comfortable team uh during testing. Max Verstappen topped the timing sheets across the 3 days. Sergio Perez was P8 only a second behind uh, Max, but that's like let's not uh, dive into that's not too much. Let's not read into yeah, the timings. Yeah, and- They but barely had any running possible but but the fastest lap that max verstappen had was equivalent to the last season's p2 uh, free practice to la- fastest lap so like my question is if the technical regulations wanted to slow slow the cars down and cut back the downforce and red bull can match that fastest lap from last season that lap, that timing from last season yep has the high rake system has the I'm high rake philosophy helped red bull in this regulations see, yeah this is this is the same thing that we mentioned when we were talking about mercedes right um that i think the regulations have finally helped red bull you know overcome its um uh, its its shortcomings uh, in the high rake philosophy and i i guess unexpectedly so because um sam collins rightly pointed out in 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 the uh testing post testing show that you know uh red bull haven't brought along like a lot of new bits or, or you don't see massive changes on the red bull car right uh, there's a few changes in the rear suspension and things are such but nothing that sticks out and i think uh you know they it, it, the hard work's finally paid off and red bull have finally found uh happy place for their car to say you know where where they know it's working and the drivers happy too yeah and there was an interesting uh, piece from the race i think that red bull's rear suspension is slightly similar to what mercedes used last year so the placing of the rear wishbone is slightly similar to what mercedes had last year but definitely the high rake uh, high rake philosophy has helped red bull and the honda power unit up overhaul which honda has brought specific specifically for this season because honda wants to give it give their all before they leave formula 1 so i think that honda power unit may be the best in the field right now well i don't know about that but it definitely looks good for honda and it'll be heartbreaking you know uh, almost like it it'll be great for them to win but it'll, it'll also be a little heartbreaking to see them leave after winning this season um, but i might be reading too much into it because we know mercedes 
is not gonna just let it go they're gonna bounce back and they're gonna bounce back really well um but other than that one comment from Sergio Perez saying you know uh, that he understands why other drivers have found it hard to drive that Red Bull uh, which again you know reassures us that um, Red Bull is not an easy car to drive and it's 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 kind of difficult to adapt to that to that car and um, maybe that car is is built a little more around Max Verstappen but uh, you know like I said before n- none of the drivers want a car that's hard to drive everybody wants a car that's easier to drive but it's still competitive and um, I think it was Charles Leclerc in one of his like Instagram live or in one of his interviews who pointed out he was asked the question that you know uh, would you have a car that's uh, easier to drive or and less competitive or would you want a car that's competitive but really hard to drive and and the answer was you know obviously you, you want a car that's very competitive even if it's harder to drive and you want to give your best. So yeah, um, looking great for Red Bull, and we hope we'll see them start P1 and P2 to, you know, um, give Mercedes the nerves uh, in, in two weeks' time. Uh, but yeah, let's let's move on to the next team. Uh, let's move on to McLaren. McLaren were running the Mercedes PU, but did not face any issues. They had a really smooth running. They were looking really comfortable. Um, and and a couple of talking points coming out of their team too. Uh, but, but uh, you know, let's... I want to hear what you have to say about McLaren first. Yeah, McLaren was, in my opinion, the most consistent midfield runners. In a sense, they were the most consistent team after Red Bull. They didn't encounter any issues. They uh, met their targets, whatever they wanted to test. But when we hear comments from Andreas Seidel, he said that they are not like they are not overjoyed by what they have. Uh, the, the feedback but they're content with it and I think that's a uh, that's a good way forward because if you are overjoyed in my opinion if, if you are overjoyed by the results that means your ambitions were not as high that as they should be right exactly so, and I mean uh, having a great pre-season testing where you don't break down anything you know you don't you don't have a bad session that's a double-edged sword on one hand you know it, it shows that the ultimate reliability of the car is really great but on the other hand as an engineer you want things to break so you can fix it before uh, the season starts. So, you know, we, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, that there won't be issues for McLaren when, they, when the lights go out on the 28th of March, but uh, they are definitely looking good. Um, one interesting thing Sam Collins pointed out in, in the interview today, uh, and that was McLaren have found... McLaren have found a loophole in the new regulations. Um, so if if you look at the McLaren diffuser, the straight in the diffuser, uh, they're longer and and, and they're not uh, they're not they don't have to comply with the length limit or like the height limit uh, for the new regulations because of the way they have positioned the gearbox in the chassis or something like that. Uh, and it's really interesting, and a lot of teams will be looking at that over the course of the next couple of weeks before we hit. Um, uh, hit the track again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The McLaren diffuser is the talk of the town right now. But interestingly, Gary Anderson from the race pointed out that it is not a loophole. It is a completely legal interpretation. And it is. it has something to do with, obviously, as you said, the positioning. Formula One cars have millimeters of, you know, differences here and there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 legal, but uh, you know, uh, it's it's interesting to see McLaren make that uh, 
make that innovation and not not other teams you know mclaren are the only team on the grid who who've done that so uh, that's really interesting and you know kudos to the engineers at mclaren uh, who who were able to you know uh, figure that out another thing that struck me of the mclaren car was the mclaren does not have that bulge on the engine cover on the side profile you know which mercedes and uh, aston martin and even williams have so it it has something to do with a different packaging and a different uh, you know bodywork structure but it was interesting to see that a power unit uh, having the same power units these guys can create different packaging and all all those structures exactly and um yeah and uh down ricardo looked looked comfortable in that car too uh he he had a few great sessions he was on the top of the timing chart for a little bit which showed that you know he is doing well in that team and we can only wish uh the best for him yeah so we'll 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 see how how that pairing with lando goes and we are hoping for the best but uh let's move on uh who do we have next aston martin formerly racing so, point Funnily, funnily enough, you know, uh, last year they were termed as a pink Mercedes, but this year um, they are the only team who have a brand new, per se, you know, 2021 car. Uh, they use their tokens to create a new monocoque, and it is not like the Mercedes at all. Uh, so the Aston Martin is truly an Aston Martin and not a derivative car of like you know Mercedes 2020 or something like that, as a lot of people may think. Yeah, they they changed. they updated their sideboards and the side crash structure but their nose is the same their front wing area is the same as last year so it's a mix and match of obviously the 2021 cars are are an evolution of the 2020 cars so some parts will be similar but the floor the aston martin floor is in some ways a slightly toned down version of the mercedes floor which is a very interesting yeah exactly and uh, you know we saw them struggle too Vettel didn't seem exactly comfortable in that car uh, driving on the circuit um and it's not like you know he got a lot of consistent running either with all the issues they were having with the PU the gearbox um and what not um Lance Stroll did post a couple good laps but the other end of the day uh they finished 17 17th and 18th i believe um today right today on the final day they were the slowest two cars but sebastian vettel was the slowest overall in the on the three days and exactly. sebastian vettel completed the least laps out of anybody across the three days he he had a gearbox issue on the first on the second day he had a turbo issue on the third day both these components uh, aston martin have sourced from mercedes which in itself is a big question mark on the mercedes So it's a very very interesting event playing on. Exactly, and um, Sebastian Vettel didn't 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 look very confident in the post uh, post testing interviews either. You know, he he was a little tentative. His answers weren't as um, he he didn't seem as jolly uh, as he usually is. So I think there's a lot on his mind right now. But I hope um, he can turn a page. And I'd say he he should take a page out of Fernando's book. uh who even after his accident has come back and put in a lot a lot of laps and a lot of good um miles uh with the alpine team definitely so, yep, let's 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 talk about alpine now um great start of the preseason testing uh the car looks even better uh delivery looks even better 
on track um, and I can't stop looking at it. The, definitely the airbox stuck out. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's huge, it sits on top of the car. But apparently th- there are benefits to it uh, and we saw Al- the Alpine didn't have any problems either. I, they're, they're the only engine manufacturer who did not have a PU issue throughout pre-season testing which is which is really uh, surprising because you know in, in the past we've seen uh, Renault PUs be the talk of the town regarding reliability with Red Bull having a lot of issues over the years, Christian Honda not being happy and finally switching to the Honda PU. And even last year, McLaren had issues with the Renault PU uh, when they started off testing and even during the season. So, really good, um, really good uh, performance from Alpine. What do you have to say about it, Vedant? Yeah, definitely. Alpine has a very ha- Alpine had a very comfortable run. Uh, Fernando Alonso, let me just say, after coming back from that accident, he has titanium plates on his jaw which will be taken out through surgery after the season. But coming straight from that accident with no running in the car, on the first day, he put in 128 laps, which was, I think, the most or the second most of anybody on that day, and which is tremendous. It just shows to go how much grit and determination Fernando has and why he is, you know, still um, a contender on the grid. He's not just... You know, just anyone who's come back to F1 for a couple of years, he's here to make an impact. And uh, we should not count him out at any given point. Exactly. And he 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 ran consistently throughout the three days, two days he had. And like, as you said, Alpine didn't have any issues. Their airbox certainly is very strange. But that is because they in they changed the positioning of some of the components from the side pods to behind the airbox. So the side pods are a little slimmer and the airbox is uh, more bulkier. Uh, A backside of it is that their center of gravity rises up. So I don't know how that- I'm pretty sure they've they've taken all of that into account, you know, while making those changes. Yeah, obviously. Some people might even think, you know, know, the frontal area of of the car has increased. So, you know, there'll be more aerodynamic drag, but at the same time, the frontal area of the side pods has decreased and uh, they're able to channel more air over their uh, floor, which is allowing them to create that downforce, um, uh, uh, you know, maintain similar levels of downforce as last year or like claw back that downforce that they may have lost because of the regulation change. So it seems like uh, they're doing well. The pace seemed good. Uh, Esteban Ocon seems uh, uh, especially happy after the first day of running, even though uh, he was not too happy about the sand in his face and on his overalls. Yeah, there was a lot of sand and as we said, there was a sandstorm and the testing, the running got uh, like, there was not a lot of running on the first day, but Alpine had had a pretty decent day. The airbox looks like a 1976 Ligier, the big, big bulgous uh, airbox, you know. (laughs) That has been the word around the paddock so far uh, but yeah a great start from alpine let's move on to ferrari uh, a little all over the place not the smoothest start for carlos Sainz or charles leclerc seemed a little bit twitchy on the first day but they settled into a sort of a rhythm even though they had niggles they were able to get uh, quite a few laps in uh, what do you think about it i don't know what to think about ferrari at all except the fact that the pu definitely looks better than last year even kimi raikman said you know 
the Ferrari power unit uh, seems better and uh, even Matteo Bonato came out and said the pay- the straight line pace disadvantage is not as much as last year um, but still it's it's hard to draw a conclusion from where about you know where Ferrari stand in the pecking order or how their performance seems to be yeah definitely and so Ferrari had Ferrari was the only car that had a on track issue you know uh, the only car that stuck that got stuck on track because of a technical issue really on the and that was on the first day so after that it was relatively smooth sailing for them Carlos Sainz was third on the timing sheets at the end of the three days again we can't read too much into that but it was a relatively better uh, testing for them than the season before uh, we can just hope you know that they have made that improvements that they promised those improvements are not very visible right now the straight line speed is not very visible right now but we can just hope uh, alfa romeo was uh, putting in some quick laps during the course of the season yeah i think i think a lot of people pointed out that when charles and kimi were on track doing like race simulations um, they had similar pace which was kind of surprising and people thought that pride might have not made a step forward but it's hard to say you know uh, w- what plans they were exactly on even though we might know the tires you know they might be just running different engine modes we just can't draw a conclusion and and, and we know it'll, you know ferrari is a factory team and we will expect them to be much faster than alfa romeo but before we talk about alfa romeo let's talk about um alfa tauri now they seemed to be faster than we've ever seen them before you know they seem to have made a great step forward uh pierre gasly came out and said the car feels much much better than last year and yuki sora seemed really comfortable in that car too uh put in some huge amount amount of laps in through the three days uh, they had a couple issues, but mostly smooth sailing for them throughout pre-season testing. Uh, and I think they might just be moving up or like even closer to that midfield, you know, uh, to to Alpine, uh, McLaren. to McLaren and to Aston yeah. Martin. Uh, they seem in really good shape and Yuki Tsunoda is looking really good in that car. Definitely. So Yuki Tsunoda's uh, pre-testing runs at Mizano and at Imola has helped him a lot to catch up to Formula 1 and he has showed that he has that talent and it is not just a, a typical you know Red Bull power uh, boost up the rankings it is a proper uh, selection He's of proper talent, talent in F1. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. just like Max Verstappen was when he joined Formula 1 at 17 years of age so Yuki Tsunoda has been sensational. He posted the second fastest time. And for me personally, the best part of the three days was at the end of uh, the third day, during the last one hour, Yuki Tsunoda and Max Verstappen were constantly putting on fast laps and fast laps and breaking the fastest lap of the day, you know. And that was that was something very, very interesting to see. And to see that Yuki Tsunoda is so quick in that Alvatore. Exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, I think I think the best part of me was, you know, every time Yuki, Yuki would step out of the car and, you know, give an interview, he'd always be smiling, he'd always be in good spirits, and that always put a smile on my face to see Yuki so comfortable. But uh, that also goes to speak for, you know, the, the, the team that Alvatore is and the car they've, cars they've been, you know, producing for the last three years, even though they are a Red Bull sister team, 
uh, and they follow a similar philosophy, it's, it goes to show that the cars produced by AlphaTauri um, is, isn't like, is a driver's car, for, for the lack of a better word, you know, drivers seem to be really comfortable with, with that car, no matter who, who you put in that car, they always come out on top, they, it gives, like, the car basically enhances the driver's capabilities almost, you know, uh, makes them feel really comfortable and uh, lets them take on the challenge from the very get-go. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Alphatory have done a great job and I can't wait to see them uh, score some points this season. Definitely. So, Franz Tost during the launch said that they want to be P3 in the championship, right? And I know we all were laughing on that comment, you know, like, not laughing, but we knew that Alphatory will not be P3, but I won't be surprised if they compete for it after the exactly. test, after the testing performance. Especially if, uh, you know, Yuki Tsunoda can be up there with Pierre Gasly and, you know, um, if, if, if they can help each other, if they can drive each other throughout the season, we might just see AlphaTauri uh, score a lot more points and maybe even, you know, just shuffle up that midfield pack even more. Uh, but yeah, we can we can only speculate for now. We'll see how it turns out um, at the first race in two weeks' time. Uh, let's talk about Alfa Romeo now. They seem to have made a good step. Uh, they seem uh, from last year. They seem to have caught up, uh, you know, with the rest of the midfield. Uh, l- last year it was pretty clear that you know Alfa uh, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Williams were much behind the midfield pack. Per se, uh, Alfa Romeo has seemed. To made a step forward and caught up with that midfield pack. Uh, a different note for them too, and a few changes here and there. Great livery, must say. Uh, but all in all, uh, it's looking promising for both Kimi Raikkonen and um, Antonio Giovinazzi. Yeah, definitely. Alfa Romeo has been on the up for the last few years, and uh, with that new power unit, new Ferrari power unit, they finally have that potential, you know, to compete with the Al- uh, with Alfa Tori and with with the midfield ahead. Last season, we noticed that sometimes the Ferrari power unit was holding Alfa, Alfa Romeo back. And I think this season, it would be a much faster car for them. We saw them post consistently good laps in testing. There was some speculation that the Alfa Romeo were running higher power modes for Ferrari in the power units. But again, we can't say the real perform what the real performance is due to the power lo- uh, few loads and the tires, but it's been a very interesting and very productive three days for Alfa Romeo. Uh, exactly, and uh, we I'm, I'm I'm hoping Antonio Gimnazzi can score some more points this season. Um, so we'll we'll see how it pans out for them. Uh, let's talk about Haas. You know, we already know Haas is not going to be developing the car. Uh, they haven't done much work from last season either. They've just adapted. I guess you know done done the minimal amount of work that that, that they thought was fit for the season, and they'll be concentrating on the 2022 car. Uh, but um, Mick and Mazepin uh, both seem to be on equal footing. Uh, they didn't have a lot of troubles, uh, but not much to say other than that. Uh, you know. Yeah. So Haas is not Haas has not used their tokens even. You know. So exactly. They have not done a lot of uh, development on the car. And they have explicitly said that they won't do any development on this car. So I won't be surprised if they are dead last in the championship at the end of the year. But having said that, Mick and Nikita have shown potential. 
they have been consistent and uh, Gunter Sinus said that the main aim for testing for these two guys were to you know learn things and to get to know how how formula 1 works and all that stuff and he was surprised at the amount of feedback these two rookies can give so it's a positive uh, three days it's been a positive three days for Haas uh, they even though they don't have a huge potential going forward in this year uh, another thing coming from Haas so uh, Haas has you know uh, used those Venetian blinds on their barge board sides uh, for the last few seasons and uh, we saw Haas you know el- uh, not using that those elements any anymore uh, we, we didn't see those elements on the car during pre-season testing this year whereas most of the other teams have adapted that and uh, Sam Collins pointed out that those elements on the car are really sensitive and usually get damaged when there's contact between two cars on the racetrack um, and Haas have learned that the hard way and so will the other teams throughout the course of the season so it'll be really interesting to see how that pans out for the, all the other teams and what uh, maybe you know the Haas technical uh, team has to say about it yeah and on the technical side you know Haas have finally brought that cape behind the nose cone so they were la- they were they are the last team to do so and they are finally caught up with the pack so it might affect performance but other than that there's nothing new on the Haas exactly now let's let's move on to the last team uh Williams um surprisingly put uh you know Roy Nassani in the car on the first day uh not letting their um Drivers run all three days of testing, even though um, we all know how essential it is. But, you know, one can obviously see that um, this was done because of financial reasons. But uh, nevertheless, uh, didn't have a lot of trouble, Williams. Uh, had, like for the first time in the last couple of years, they have had a really smooth testing, showed up on time, uh, were the f- first ones out on the track and uh, put in a lot of laps and hopefully we'll see them move up the order. Yeah, definitely. So, Roy Nassani, as you said, uh, the only the only reserve driver to... Only test driver, in fact. He's not even a reserve driver. He's a test driver. So, only test driver to come, uh, to participate in the test. Uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a very strange thing that happened. But, in a way, you know, because of the sandstorm on day one as he mentioned earlier so uh, George Russell's on or Nicholas Latifi's program didn't get affected that much otherwise it would it would have been a little bit shaky for them but George Russell was quite quick he was p6 in the overall time sheet he participated only one day so but I guess like for the Williams the time the time does not matter right now for this season at least you know uh, how fast they are as long as they're making uh, the step in the right direction because rules are going to change next year. But uh, we we know that you know Williams, the very fact that Williams were able to show up on time and you know carry out their testing program as they wish to goes to show that uh, they are making steps towards where they want to be and hopefully uh, we'll see a resurgence from that team. Uh, but yeah, that was preseason testing uh, over the last three days. Uh, any, any Anything else from you, Vedan, that you want to talk about? Anything that stood out to you from pre-season testing that we may not have touched upon so far? I think we didn't touch on Aston Martin's front brake ducts, I believe. So, Aston Martin's front brake ducts were the talk of the town last season because of the whole pink Mercedes saga. They have the 
uh, rights to use the Mercedes brake ducts from last year without spending any tokens. But what they did was they brought their own brake ducts on day one. They tested them out and on day two, reverted back to the 2020 uh, spec. It was very interesting to see them do that. And I don't know what, what they'll use going forward, but an interesting development. Um, but yeah, but one more thing that we didn't mention throughout the podcast, we talked about Mercedes time and again, we didn't talk about the seven time world champion doing something that we don't ever see him do and then that is spinning again and again, spun on day two. And I think he also spun on day three, right? Uh, that goes to show again oh, yes. where Mercedes are with that car. That car is not responding well to, to the drivers. Uh, up until last year, we saw the drivers of Mercedes just, you know, run the car the way they wanted to uh, not much you know overcorrection while they were driving they had to correct the car again and again but lewis and valtteri looking really uncomfortable in that car uh, and yeah i i don't know how i just forgot about it yeah i think we forgot about it because we don't usually you know we don't have that in my in our mind we know that mercedes is perfect that lewis is essentially perfect so yeah it was it was very strange seeing him you know spin out and Almost crashing into Nikita on twice. Yeah, exactly. And Nikita Mazepin and Max Verstappen also had an incident when Max Verstappen was trying to go for a flying lap in the closing uh, minutes of the final session on day three. Uh, and Nikita Mazepin was sitting essentially on uh, on the apex of turn one. Uh, not great. And we also saw Carlos Sainz and Kimi Raikkonen make contact on track uh, towards the closing minutes of the same session. Uh, so yeah. A lot going on and a lot to look forward to. I just can't wait to come back in two weeks' time and like go racing. And I am so pumped for it. Um, so yeah, thank you, Vedant, for all your thoughts on uh, preseason testing. And I just can't wait to see us uh, shaken up. I, I think it's going to be a great season. I think, you know, the pecking order is not clear now and it's not going to be clear anytime soon either. Uh, I think we're going to see the pecking order develop throughout the season and the first few races. You know, we're going to have some surprise podiums. We're going to have some surprise breakdowns. We're going to have some uh, exciting things going. And I think I can promise you that. So talking about surprise podiums, let me just say the last time Ferrari hired a new, uh, the last time Ferrari hired a Spanish driver, the first race of the season was at Bahrain. And that Spanish driver won the race. <laughs> All right, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. That was crossed. Fernando Alonso. That was it is it is too too optimistic. It is it is not at all realistic. But I'm just saying, you know, surprise podiums. We saw Pierre Gasly win the win a race last season. We saw Sergio Perez win a hey, race I, last season. I, I told you we're gonna have at least five surprise podiums this year uh, in our predictions <laughs> podcast. So it seems like it's gonna come more than just two. Uh, you know, maybe this is when Mercedes fails. I I don't know. I I just don't know what to think. Um, it's it's been a great preseason testing, a lot of excitement, um, and yeah, there's a there's a lot more content coming out. Drive to Survive coming out on March 19th, so stay tuned for that. We'll be doing an episode, uh, basically a review and our reactions to Drive to Survive, and I think it's gonna be a spicy one because there's never been so much drama in the F1 paddock as last season. And I think this season this season is gonna top top all of that too. I uh, just can't wait for it. So yeah, uh, thank you, Adam. Thank you for being here. It was great talking to you. Uh, And we'll catch you in a week's time. Uh, Thank you for listening, everyone.